Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Good evening, good evening. Top of the evening, everyone. I'd like to welcome you to Tuesday night, Rightly Dividing the Word Bible Study here at the Building Christian Fellowship. I am Pastor Donald. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, we are here tonight to dig deep into the Word of God so we can grow in a, a real relevant relationship with Him. Why? Because He says that, that if we abide in His Word and His Word abides in us, that we will have eternal life. So I don't know about you, but I could use some eternal life. Some, 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 some life that comes from the word that is spirit and life. So I want to welcome you guys. Thank you guys for, for those of you that are in the house tonight and those of you that are at the house tonight. So we're going to go ahead and get started. But before we get into the word, we're going to go ahead and open up with a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to dig deep into your word, that we would be able to receive uh, the, the life giving virtue that comes from your word, Lord, that we would be able to receive the engrafted word, which is able to save our very souls. Lord, we ask that you would just give us a heart to receive tonight. Let our heart be good soil, Father, to receive the seed of your word, that it would blossom, bloom, and bear forth great fruit, Father, that we would be able to be pleasing to you, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would give us a mind to understand tonight. Give us eyes to see what it is that, that, uh, that, that you would have us to see tonight as we walk through the text. Lord, we ask that you would give us um, a, a, a heart that believes, and we just thank you for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this privilege to be called your people, to be a royal priesthood, a peculiar people that you have, you have sanctified and you have declared as holy because you are holy. Lord, we ask that you would just continue to, to shape us and mold us into the image of your son, Jesus, that we would not uh, leave this study tonight the same way that we entered into it, Lord, but that we would be changed, that we would be chastised, that we would be challenged. Lord, we ask that you would have your way, Holy Spirit. Do as you would, as you see fit, as your will, uh, according to your will, Lord. We just surrender ourselves to your will tonight. We say, have your way in us and through us, Lord. We thank you for this. We agree for this in the mighty matchless, magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So for those of you guys that have been tuned in, we are continuing on our journey through John. We are uh, now at chapter 12. And so uh, for those of you guys that have been following along, um, or those, that, that, those of you that may be new to this and you're just jumping in, we are in the gospel of John. We are going through the gospel account according to the apostle John. And the, the gospel account of John poetically and literally illustrates the manhood and deity of Jesus, the manhood, Jesus as the man and Jesus as God. So this is what we've been learning so far. Jesus has revealed himself to us through the book of John. He has revealed himself as the word. He's revealed himself as the light, the living bread, uh, the, the son of man, the son of God, the way maker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, all that good stuff. Um, he's, he's revealed himself as the truth, the way, the door, 
the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life. And now he's embarking, as we go into to chapter 12, he's embarking on uh, the, the, the revelation of himself as the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the, of the world, a.k.a. the savior of the world. All right, are you getting this? So one of the things that we need to also take into account is that while Jesus has been revealing himself to us, he's been revealing himself to, to mankind, that there has been an ongoing uh, conflict. Uh, uh, the, the hatred of the religious leaders at the time has, has, has come to a boiling point where we see that they have literally been plotting and trying to find a way to kill Jesus, to get rid of him. And so we're, what we need to take notice is that now, in, 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 now that we're in chapter 12 of John, in this journey through John, that we, have, we, we are seeing things are coming to a head. There's a boiling point and a major conflict, conflict has been brewing. But before we jump in to chapter 12, the text of chapter 12 tonight, I want to preface this chapter with a scripture that we find in 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. And we see in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, it says, But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. I know you may be wondering that that's like, that it seems like an odd text, but I promise that I'm going to tie it in to what we're, what we're studying tonight in chapter 12. Amen? So, so just put a, a bookmark there and go ahead and turn with me to John chapter 12. And starting with verse 1, it says this. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany at the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. So for those of you guys that have been following along at, with our journey through John, we left off in John chapter 11 where Jesus has revealed himself as the resurrection and the life to the people. How do we know this? Because Jesus was hanging out a few days' journey away from Bethany where Lazarus and his two sisters lived. And Lazarus had fallen sick. His two sisters had sent word to Jesus through messenger that his friend, whom he loved, was, was deathly ill. And Jesus said, don't worry because this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. And he stayed where he was for two days. Then it says that he decided that it was time for them to go ahead and go back to Judea, where, where, where Bethany is, is located in Judea. And the disciples were in an uproar because they had just left Judea not that long ago. And Jesus knew that the, the religious leaders at the time were looking for a way to, to, to fulfill their plot to murder him. And so here it is. Jesus says, we got to go. We're going to go and do it. We're, 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 I'm not worried about that. I'm not concerned about that because there, there's uh, something that needs to be done that's going to bring glory to the Father. 
And so that thing that was done was that Jesus arrives and all of the people are in mourning with the sisters of Lazarus because Lazarus has died, he's already been buried, and Jesus arrives on the scene. And both of the sisters come to Jesus knowing and, and, and trusting in his power and knowing who he is, knowing that Jesus, had he been there before Lazarus died, when Lazarus was just sick in bed, that, that Jesus could have prevented him from dying. But Jesus said no. He says, what, what's about, what you're about to encounter and what you're about to see is what God ordained and orchestrated. And so we find that Lazarus has been buried in a tomb with a stone rolled over in front of it. And Jesus commands that the stone be rolled away. And, and Martha, this is to give you some insight into how dead Lazarus was. Martha says, but Lord, by now he's been dead for four days and, it's, and, and it stinketh, that he would stink. The stench of, of death was all over him. And Jesus didn't mind any of that and had the stone rolled away and he called Lazarus forth and Lazarus came to life and came out. And here it is, we find that Jesus, six days before the Passover, some weeks later, has come and he's eating dinner at their house. That's where we're at. What we see here with Lazarus is that Lazarus was still alive, which was another testimony to the reality of the resurrection miracle that Jesus had performed. This was a resurrection and not a resuscitation. You following? Let's pick back up in verse 3. So then Mary took a 12-ounce jar. This is at the dinner. This is at this, 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 this dinner, that, that this gathering that Jesus has been uh, uh, being celebrated for what he's done. And these sisters, this family, they want to thank him for what he's done. And the one sister, Mary, says that she took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. And that, that, that's kind of crazy. Like, I like the way that John narrates this story because, like, he's telling you the story to reveal to you about Jesus. But on, on the way there, he drops these footnotes about certain people. He's like, Judas, yeah, the one that, that was going to betray him spoke up. And spoke out of turn because he wanted to make it seem like he was concerned. I don't know. I don't know if you guys knew this, but there was actual. There was an actual footage of, uh, or there, there's an actual picture of Judas. Can can you put put that up for me real quick? Can you put that up? We got that that picture of Judas. When Jesus said, "One of y'all at this table gonna betray me," this this was Judas. This was his face. Mid-bite, mid that was him. But look, look at how Jesus replies to this dude, this betrayer. He says, leave her alone. 
She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What we need to see here is remember the, the scripture that I referenced earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 15, where it says, if a woman has long hair, it is a glory, it is her glory. What we're seeing here is this woman who is at the feet of Jesus. And what we need to understand is that normally Jewish women never unbound their hair in public since loose hair was a sign of loose morals. Are you following? Mary's love for Jesus overrode her sense of public opinion. Are you following? The fact that the fragrance of the perfume filled the house shows again how, how lavish Mary's display of love was. In that, in that culture, when the male head of the household died and left only female survivors, the women usually had great difficulty with making ends meet and often became destitute. If this was the situation that Lazarus' death created for Mary and Martha, we can appreciate how grateful they must have been to Jesus for restoring their brother to them. Thus, she breaks open a vessel that's worth a whole year's wages to pour on the feet of Jesus and to wipe it with her hair. I don't think you're understanding this. When she came to the feet of Jesus, Mary took the place of a slave. When she undid her hair, something that Jewish women did not do in public, she humbled herself and laid her glory at his feet. Of course she was misunderstood and criticized, but that is what usually happens when somebody gives his or her best to the Lord. Are you following that? 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. 15, the, the glory of the woman was her hair, and she laid her glory at the feet of the Almighty. In other words, with, with this act, she's saying, with her glory, all of her glory, Lord, all of it belongs to you. This is an act of worship. And I get it because there's not, there's not, worshipers are, are hard to find. So I, I get it if, 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 there's, if there's not much understanding with this. But the true worshipers know. Verse 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too. What? The leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted him and believed in Jesus. What we see here is that all in this setting, this dinner that's been prepared as, as, a, as a celebratory expression for Jesus and all that he's done. We had Martha who had worked for the Lord by serving the supper. We had Mary who had worshipped him. And now we have Lazarus 
who is a witness for him. Are you following? Lazarus is a witness for him. Let me talk about being a witness. What is a witness? What does it mean to witness? It means to give, not to keep back a testimony. It means to give and not to keep back a testimony. To utter honorable testimony and give a good report. And as we see that because Lazarus was a living witness, not only just a living witness, but he was a resurrected witness. Because now he's the embodiment of someone who had, been, who had received the resurrection and the life. He's a living testimony of who Christ is. He's a living testimony. And the Jewish leaders not only decided that not only are we going to get rid of Jesus, but we got to get rid of Lazarus too. We got to kill the testimony. I don't know how many of you guys watch these, these, these crime shows. Any of you guys like these, these crime shows that are out and, and, and they got court cases and all these things? The, 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 the thing that makes the case is the witness. And usually what ends up happening when there's a witness that can give incriminating or that can give, give evidence and proof that something has happened, the defendant wants to get rid of the witness. Well, you have to understand that, that without a witness, there's no conviction. Are you following? That's why, the reason why a witness is so important, why is it important to witness? Because of the testimony. The testimony. And so what I want, I want to declare to you tonight Revelations 12, 11 tells us that they defeated him, meaning the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And here it is. We have Lazarus, who's a living testimony of the resurrection and life that comes that that is Jesus. A living testimony. So I charge you with the, with the oldie but goodie that, that I said years ago is that you need the PYT. Now, I'm not talking about pretty young thing. I'm not talking about Michael. I'm saying you need to protect your testimony. Why? Because Christ has called us to be living witnesses. Just as Lazarus, we have experienced the resurrection life. Jesus didn't, come, Jesus didn't come because we were bad and he wanted to make us good. He came because we were dead in our trespasses. And he resurrected us unto life. To be living testimonies, just as Lazarus. And just as the enemy wanted to try and to, 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 to kill and squash the living testimony back then, so he does today. And it may come in the form of temptation. It may come in the form of a relationship. It may come in the form of, of, of many different shapes and sizes. But it is our job to guard and protect the testimony. Amen. Verse 12. A lot of stuff going on, guys. Verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus 
was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, praise God, Hosanna, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. The thing about this is that this is, you see that, that things are coming to a head. It seems like as we keep going deeper and deeper into this journey, and John, that, that, that there's like kind of a repetitive theme where, where the more that Jesus reveals himself, the more agitated the, the religious leaders are getting. The more that they're seeing that, that, that because Jesus is the truth, the more people are becoming free. And the thing is, is that the religious leaders, their power was in keeping the people in bondage to religious practices with no actual connection to God. They were just practicing a dead religion. And here it is, the resurrection and life is breathing life in the people, and people are having hope, and people are, are beginning to see the light and coming out of darkness. But not everybody that was proclaiming and shouting from the rooftops and welcoming Jesus as he rides into, into Jerusalem truly were, were coming into the light or coming into a knowledge of the truth. Many of them saw this as, as a possibility of, of a, a, a political measure, of a, a changing of the guard, if you will, that, that here it is, the Messiah that they waited for was going to come and deliver them from their, their oppression and, and their, their, their social issues and injustices that they were dealing with. And here it is, they're crying out. However, what we see also going along with this recurring theme is that Jesus, with a masterly art, he repressed everything that would have made him a popular hero. He repressed it all. As you see, when Jesus would do a miracle, he'd withdraw because the people wanted to try and make him be their leader. They wanted to take it by force. Many men live for ambitious ends, but our Lord lived to escape the honors of men. The proud hunt after praise, but our Lord fled from the preferment of men. He hid himself from fame and shunned the throne, which by descent really actually belonged to him. When we read in Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that, that, that Jesus took on the form of a servant. 
Though he was fully God and fully man, he took on the form of a servant. That he might, he didn't come to be served, he came to serve. And so here it is. For the first time, we're seeing Jesus allowing himself to be publicly recognized and praises being shouted about him in public. Because when we look at when he's done the miracles before, he's almost every time told the person that he's done a miracle for to go home and don't tell anybody. Don't say anything about this. So we can see that things are beginning to escalate. Verse 20. It says, some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Kind of sounds like what we read earlier about those who, who endured to the end and maintained their testimony. Those who overcame the enemy, the wicked one, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They loved not their lives. Amen? They loved not their lives even unto the death. And here it is Jesus saying that those who love their lives in this world, they're going to lose it. But those who lose their lives for his sake will keep it for eternity. Verse 27, now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so Again, when the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come, when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become 
children of the light. It's interesting that he phrased it and said it that, in that manner because he's saying, my light will not be with you much longer. So believe while you can so you won't stumble in darkness. But yet he's saying that, that if he's the light, he's leaving and darkness will come. But the way for them to survive in the darkness is to believe in him so that they, the light can be transported and trans, transported into them. It can be imparted into them and they will become children of the light. Amen. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. Here it is. He's going into his natural practice of ministering publicly and then withdrawing. Verse 37. But despite all the, mir the, the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord who has believed our message. To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. What we need to see and understand is that just as light brings sight to those who desire to see, it too also blinds those who are in darkness. It also blinds those who are not only in darkness, but those who love darkness. When it speaks of the hardness of hearts, what you have to understand as well is, is, is Jesus is the living water. Not only is he the light, but he's the living water. And though he's revealed himself to the people as such, to be the living water which is able to heal them, that their hearts were hardened. It's the same principle as the same water that hardens the egg is the same water that softens the potato. And the same water that draws the aroma out of the coffee beans and gives you the, the, the sweet nectar that you guys like to drink. Y'all following? Got any coffee drinkers out there? It's the same water. But it depends upon what you're made of and where you're from, how the water affects you. Are you hearing this? Israel knew that, that there was a cornerstone, but he was the cornerstone that they rejected. The cornerstone would be the foundation which they would be able to build upon or the cornerstone that was rejected that would crush them to dust. Verse 41, Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders. And we know this because we knew that there were people like Nicodemus who were part Jewish leaders of the time that would kind of raise an argument against their plots and their plans. But they wouldn't admit it for fear of the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. 
Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. For I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Amen? The recurring theme that we've come to thus far is that we know that John has revealed to us that Jesus is not only man, but he's also God. He is the God-man. He's revealed himself to be not only the word, but to be the light that has come in the darkness that the darkness could never overtake or overcome. And here it is that Jesus is referencing, not only am I the light, but those who believe in me will also be light in this world. Isn't it, isn't it something to, that we can find comfort in the fact that though Jesus is not physically present with us here, that he's left his light on the inside of us, that we don't have to stumble in this dark world, that we don't have to stumble. In, that's why it's so important for us to, to, to make sure that we stay and remain in his word and that his word remains in us. Why? Because the Bible tells us, it tells us in Psalms that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We could turn all the lights out in here and I could turn on the light on my phone and just that little bit of light has overcome the darkness. Even if it's only that I can see enough to walk a couple of steps in front of me at a time. The darkness will not overcome the light. Are you understanding? Here it is that we see in, in, in John 12 that Jesus being as the resurrection and the life, that he's not only worthy to be served, but he's worthy to be worshipped. And he's worthy to have a, a, a true witness testimony in this earth. That's what it means by being children of the light, being someone who is willing to serve him, being somebody who is willing to worship him, regardless of public opinion. We see what happened with the, with the, when the fear of man, it brought a snare to those that were part of the religious leadership at the time because they were afraid that they were going to be put out of their, 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 their inner circles that they had spent so long that they invested so many years to, to, to acquire a, 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 a position of prestige in. But yet we have this woman who is willing to do away with her whole life savings, all that she has saved up, to pour out on the feet of Jesus in an act of worship, despite what public opinion would be. 
And I believe that, that this theme that we're seeing in this chapter is relevant today for us in the church. Like there's a public opinion out there about those of us who show up physically in church. And I'm not saying anything to those that are, that are sick and shut in. That's, 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 that's another situation. There's no condemnation to you. But for those that are able-bodied, that claim to be believers, I want to challenge you to exercise your faith, to walk in the light and not stumble in the darkness of, of every suggestion that comes across the media, every suggestion that comes across from a political leader. But to go to the word so that the word will shed light and show you in, in, in the direction that your feet need to take. Are you following? No condemnation. It's information that, that I pray that you, would, that you would meditate on, that God would give you a revelation. Because here it is, we're living in a time where I believe that, that, that during this time that we read that Jesus would be Savior. But a lot of times we forget that Jesus is going to, to soon come again. And when he comes again, he's not coming to be Savior. He's already taken, the, taken care of the role of salvation. And those that believe will be saved. But those who, who don't have already brought condemnation on themselves. And they will suffer the judgment because he's coming back as a righteous judge. To judge the quick and the dead. So while there's still time, I want to challenge you to believe in the Lord Jesus. I want to challenge you to be one who comes out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. To turn your ear to hear his voice calling your name. There's no need for you to stumble in darkness because the light is here. As witnesses, we can't be afraid of losing our life, whatever that may be. For some of us, that might mean a career change. For some of us, that might mean a, a, a loss of a relationship that we're in. For some of us, that might just mean something as simple as pushing the plate away. Losing your life can mean many different things. So I want to challenge you to ask God to show you in what way and what manner does he want you to lose your life for his sake, that you might find it in him. There's nothing worse for us to cling on to, to what we think is valuable and get to the end and find out that it was worth nothing. To find out that it was worth nothing. When we see the Apostle Paul, he talks about, he talks about, all the accomplishments that he's made, that, that he, he, when it came to being a Jew, that he was a Jew's Jew, that he knew the law in, inwards and outwards, that, that he, was, he was circumcised on the right day, that he could, could quote the scripture backwards and forwards, but he, he counted it all as nothing that he might know Christ. Can we say that of ourselves, that, that, that our master's degrees, that we got more degrees than a thermometer, but we throw it all away just so that way we could know Christ. That we would turn down our invitation and our membership 
to these social clubs and the in crowd that we might know Christ. That we would turn down that promotion that might take me away from the house of God that I might know Christ. That I would turn down my own comfort and my fear of what, what people may think of me that I might know Christ. It's not easy to be vulnerable. But yet we see a perfect, a perfect picture when we look at Mary at the feet of Jesus. Here it is, we see this woman who has let down her, her glory, not to hold it up to herself, but lets it down to wipe the nastiest part. Like, I don't know if you guys understand what it meant about feet washing back then, but but they walked everywhere, and they wore sandals, which means that their feet were, like, covered in, in, in dirt and everything. And, and I'm not saying that, that Jesus' feet were necessarily filthy because before they partook of meals and everything, they would wash themselves, wash their hands and feet before they came and sat down. But here it is, throwing caution to the wind. Not, not only is she... She's doing something out of the norm by letting down her glory, but she's, she's not even really even supposed to be touching a man that is not her husband. And here it is, she's declaring in front of everyone that this is my covering. That this is my covering. I don't know how many of you women out there that, that aren't married and you're, and you're single, let Christ be your covering. Let down your glory and lavish it on him. It's not to be wasted on that joker that, that, that's, that's going to play games with your heart. But go to the, to, the, to the one who is worthy of all glory, all honor, all praise. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the world. Amen. That's all I got for you guys tonight. I pray that you guys got something out of it. I pray that, that, uh, that you guys got some takeaways that you guys can meditate on throughout the week. Um, again, God is worthy to be served. He's worthy to be worshiped and he's worthy to have a, a, an unashamed witness who's willing to lose their life that they may find it in him. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight, Lord. We thank you for revealing yourself to us in a greater way tonight, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would help us to be those children of the light. Father, that we would not fear the darkness, but know that we reach our greatest potential when we go into it and that we unashamedly witness for you. Lord, we ask that you would give us a heart to witness, that you would give us a heart to serve, that you would give us a heart of worship. Lord, that we would give you all of our glory, that we would lavish all of our glory on you, just as Mary did. Lord, that we would not love our lives unto death, Father. Lord, that we would 
uh, hold fast and protect our testimony, for it is how we overcome. You have ordained us to overcome. So, Lord, I pray that you would just place a hedge of protection around each and every one of us, Father, that we would be obedient to your word, that we would remain in your word and that your word would remain in us. Lord, that we would not go around stumbling in darkness, but, Lord, that we would allow your word to light our pathway and that we would run wholeheartedly after you. Lord, we thank you for what it is that you're doing in us and through us. Lord, we thank you for what you have in store for us. For, for eye has not seen, nor is ear heard, nor has entered into our hearts what you have for those that love you. Lord, we love you, and we declare this tonight. Lord, we ask that you would just bless everyone with peaceful rest on tonight. Lord, that we would wake up tomorrow refreshed, ready to go forth and do great exploits in your name. Lord, we thank you for divine appointments. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your protection, your provision, and your strength. Lord, we ask all of this in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you guys come uh, Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. Be here in the place. If you have youth, make sure that you're here Thursday night, 7 p.m. Elevate YM. It's going up in a major way. Y'all be blessed. Go with God.